Hello and welcome to the Janae Franco Show. This is episode 16. It's hard to believe it's been that many episodes that we've done here together. I decided to come on today unannounced because I wasn't really sure when I was going to get it in this week. And I really wanted to be sure and be ready because today's topic is something that I feel really, really passionate about. I'm going to talk about why perfectionism does not serve us and what to do about it. Now, the funny thing about this topic is oftentimes, I've said this before, we are feeling, we feel called to serve and evangelize in an area in which we have really struggled in our own lives. And this topic is absolutely no exception. In fact, it seems so normal to me that at first, uh, when my, my mentor and I were talking about this, it just seemed like something that was a very normal part of my life. However, the more I have dove into this particular topic, especially in the last couple of years, it, the more I have realized it has caused way more harm than helpfulness when it comes down to it. Because oftentimes I've heard people refer to perfectionism as a badge of honor. And I have done the same thing. And uh, because there's something about it, well, I just want to, you know, have a really excellent product, or I really want to, to do this really well and all of these reasons. But I'm going to go into a lot of these reasons and why they're actually harming us and not helping us. So the funny thing is, as I'm creating this podcast, uh, which will also be a webinar, um, well, not also be a webinar, but I'm also working on a webinar about this topic and a course. And that is what's really exciting that I'm going to be announcing not at the end of this podcast, but very, very soon, the details of this offer, this group coaching experience that I'm going to have. And if you are interested in it, then hop on the email list. So you will be the first to know when I announce details of it. But going back to the topic, I've been working on this. And the funny thing is, even yesterday, I was journaling on this because I was having some thoughts about it. And then this morning, I was getting coached on it because even when you understand that perfectionism is at play in play in your life, and even as I'm writing out this content, and I know intellectually these things, I am still seeing them play out in a way that is destructive to me and actually creating and actually getting something out into the world that I feel so passionate about. So, you know, today we're just going to get started. So these are the six steps that I have found that have helped me overcome perfectionism and not in a way that I am done with it, not at all. However, in a way that I like to call myself a recovering perfectionist. Perfectionist, And I think, I don't know how long I'll call myself that because I'm not sure how long it'll take to break the chains completely, but it is something that I want to break most of those chains because I'm realizing they're just not helping me. So step one is what is perfectionism? We need to understand what it is and what it means in our lives. Number two is we need to identify what we are protecting ourselves from. Number three, we need to learn to process our emotions. Number four, we need to learn the skill of objectivity. I know it's a big word. We're going to go into it in a little bit. Number five, we are, need to break the habits of vice and create and build habits of virtue. And number six, we need to know and embrace who God created us to be. So we are going to get started with number one. What is perfectionism? This is, uh, I looked up a couple of definitions just to be really clear out front. It is a disposition to regard anything short of perfection the condition, the state, or quality of being free or as free as possible from all flaws or defects as unacceptable. 
The American Psychology Association Dictionary of Psychology says it is the tendency to demand of others or of oneself an extremely high or even flawless level of performance in excess of what is required by the situation. It is associated with depression, anxiety, eating disorders, and other mental health problems. Perfectionists tend to set really unrealistically high expectations both for themselves and for others. So they um, can be very quick to find fault. I say they, we, we can be very quick to find fault with people uh, or ourselves. We can be overly critical of both our mistakes and others' mistakes. We can procrastinate a project because we are afraid of failure. Raise your hand. Well, I can't see your hands, but I bet you there's more than one of us in the house that has, has done that before. Often procrastination is a sneaky one. It's something that, that people don't always identify as associated with perfectionism, but I can absolutely see it at play in my own life. And I bet you, if you took a look at yours, if this resonates with you, you've probably seen it before in yours. Uh, it's an inability to receive compliments. So they shrug them off. Uh, we forget to celebrate our successes and we look to specific people in our lives for approval and validation. So this can be, oftentimes this comes from our woundedness, um, but we've all got those people that we look for. For me particularly, I notice that I really, really don't like to disappoint other people. Um, a lot of times when I think I have let someone down or disappointed them, that is when my shame cycle begins. And, and for me, the shame cycle is really where I can see that perfectionism is sneaking in because I'm, I'm believing that I'm bad because of something external that has happened. And so if, there's something really important to note here as well <clears throat> about perfectionism and how I view it as something that is harmful and not helpful is that there is a difference between striving for excellence and demanding perfection. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that either later today or in my webinar and in the course. But there is, this is, I'm not saying that we should not strive for excellence, that we should not do the best that we can in our circumstances. Uh, but what perfectionism does is focus very much on the externals. Okay. So Father Chad Ripperger talks about this in one of his courses, one of his um, classes. And he says, there's two, two parts to perfectionism. He says, one is that we believe that we can attain our own perfection on our own without anyone else's help. So that is, it is all on us. Another word for this that I've discovered through using the Metanoia Catholic Journal is the, what they call ungodly self-reliance. It is something where we rely on ourselves. There's a lot of reasons that we might do this. Uh, for me in particular, um, it comes from more of kind of an abandonment wound, uh, an abandonment vow where I'm like, okay, well, if no one else is going to do this, including God, um, then I'm going to do it myself. And I, I can imagine that there's probably a lot of us out there that really resonate with that. And there's something, I think I found a lot of comfort in that for a long time because I'm like, well, I'm capable, so I should just do it myself. So one, just to go back to the point, one thing about perfectionism is you, you believe you can attain perfection on your own. And the second thing is that we look for perfection in such a, in ourselves in such a way that we exclude God in that process. So again, kind of going back to, we believe that we can attain it ourselves. And then we exclude God in that process, which means that we're actually getting further away from him. We are like what they say in the scriptures um, where Jesus says, I have come for the sick, for the sick need a physician. Um, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but it's something to that effect where it's like, if you don't acknowledge you're sick, then you don't need a physician. And if you think you're perfect, like the Pharisees did, then you don't need a physician. So you don't need me. And so we cut ourselves off from God's mercy in that way. We cannot receive his love because we are, 
trying to say that we need to find perfection in ourselves. So the saints will also say that perfectionism is has to do with the externals of a person. So it has to do with maybe the way that we're received or all sorts of things we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, what Father Jacques Philippe says in Searching for and Maintaining Peace is, we are not sad and discouraged so much because God was offended. Even though we'd like to believe that, I added that part. Not so much because God was offended, but because the ideal image that we have of ourselves has been brutally shaken. Our pain is very often that of wounded pride. Let that sit with, for, with you for a second. It's really hard to acknowledge that because then that means that we are prideful. And how many of us want to actually admit that we're dealing with our own pride here? But that's the reality. We are human. We are going to mess up. And the reality is that God is the only one that is perfect. And so we need to really acknowledge when that is happening and be aware of it and acknowledge it so that we can move forward. And that's part of this, this step of understanding what perfectionism is. And the last thing from uh, Father Jacques Philippe that he shares in the School of the Holy Spirit, and I love, love, love this quote, because I think it shows a lot of my own journey in recovering from perfectionism. He says, God calls us to perfection, but he is not a perfectionist. And perfection is reached not so much by external conformity to an ideal as by inner faithfulness to God's inspirations. So what he's saying here is the answer to perfectionism is actually docility to the Holy Spirit is being open to the Lord's movement in our lives and also taking action when we're afraid. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that right now, but that's been a big piece for me as well. So now that we kind of have an idea of what we're talking about with perfectionism, now we need to identify what we are protecting ourselves from. Okay. So whenever we <clears throat> are perfectionists, when we learn the model in the Purgative Way, Metanoia Catholic Academy, all of that, of how our thoughts go. It starts the circumstance, uh, whatever that fact is, um, and then we go to a thought, and then to a feeling, and then to an action. So many of us, including myself, are much more in touch you know, with our feelings. So you might go straight to that feeling, but the reality is there's something in between, and that's a thought. So if you were to close your eyes and place yourself in maybe the last situation that you could maybe identify with being a perfectionist, something that happened to you. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a dirty house at the end of the day and you didn't maybe have the energy to pick up for whatever reason and you're laying in bed and you're thinking about your dirty house. And what are you, what are you thinking in that moment? When the situation happens, what are you running from? What are you avoiding when you're placing all of your... Um, thoughts on that perfectionism of, you know, I have a dirty house or whatever. Is it that you're afraid that you're going to disappoint your husband or um, that you think that you need that, that house to be clean in order to find peace? So you don't realize that you have a choice there. Are you avoiding failure? Maybe you see that, that dirty house as a failure on your part. And so you cannot let your house be dirty at the end of the day, whatever that looks like, <clears throat> whenever one of these situations has happened to you, what are you avoiding or running from in your perfectionism? Are you enjoy, are you avoiding failure? So maybe you don't even start a project. Maybe you aren't doing something that you want to do, or you uh, feel motivated to do maybe in a moment when you've got some motivating feelings, but then it comes down to actually doing the work and making the thing happen. And you find yourself stuck. 
Are you, maybe you find yourself doing other things, what we call buffering instead of doing that thing. So maybe you are doing more research and, um, you know, I could use myself for an example in this one where it's releasing even this podcast where it's kind of starting a cascade effect where I really feel passionate about this. And I want to talk to people. um, I want to talk to y'all about what perfectionism has looked like in my life. And I want to help other women overcome this and start to work toward more of a docility to the Holy spirit and to the Lord and not having to control everything around me at all times. So what I might do because I'm high intellection, high input, I might just read more books on the topic I might try to find more quotes, look at more scripture, make the, the perfect presentation because I don't want to fail. Because when I, if I were to fail, and this is this is exactly what I was getting coached on earlier today, because I spent a whole bunch of time yesterday preparing this presentation and I noticed, well, I didn't notice until I got coached on it, but I started going inward where instead of it being about how can I serve the women around me? help them to see the truth of who they are and who they were created to be, then it actually became more about how can I sound really smart? How can I have it all together? How can I uh, earn some affirmation or some, um, you know, applaud? uh, Like, yeah, I guess affirmation is the best word for it. How can I get that from the people around me. And I didn't even notice that that's where I was going, even though I'm putting it in the presentation, you know, and all it took was, you know, my coach to be like, um, so do you, who do you focus on when you're focusing on all these things? And I'm like, ah, me, because so much our our mind drama just gets so out of control sometimes, or these habits can be so ingrained that when we are looking at our own lives, we don't see what it's so easy for other people to see around us. So for me, I was avoiding failure by doing more research, more prep, which I really already had an outline for today, yesterday. I could have just gotten on here and started talking and it really would have been just fine. But I really wanted to get like the perfect quote, the perfect thing and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, all that to say is that the reason I'm here is not because I am done with perfectionism, but because I have come a long way from where I was, and I know that I have so much longer to go, and I really want to bring as many women with me as I can that can see the truth of what the Lord is speaking. So onward, Uh, maybe you aren't avoiding failure, but you're avoiding being judged uh, by other people. Maybe you avoid disappointing other people. Uh, Like I was saying earlier in the example of like the dirty house or the husband, like maybe you don't want to disappoint your husband. Maybe you don't like disappointing your kids. Maybe when you yell at you kids, you start spiraling in shame and then you like yell at them more and then you know that you've disappointed them and you just kind of keep going with that. Or you don't want to be misunderstood or you don't want to be hurt. Or you feel like um, this is something I have struggled with as well, where I feel like I have to be stoic. I have to be almost emotionless. Um, It kind of depends. Either I can go toward this emotionless place or I can overly emote It kind of depends on where I am because, you know, when I was a lot younger, I stuffed a lot of emotions down and in and I didn't process them and we're kind of moving into the next one, but I didn't process them the way that I needed to. And so now I really struggle with having to learn how to process these things like normally. I I don't want to use the word normal, but I did. So there we go. Um, (laughs) But you might feel like you are you have to be perfect. You have to be the strong one. Right. I love. I just, I know a lot of people are listening to Encanto on repeat. 
uh, because their kids are loving it. But honestly, I am just with, especially with this topic, I am loving the the songs, Louisa's song and the other sister about being perfect. Um, those songs are, just, I just love them so much. And yeah, she's the strong one. She can like carry the family's burdens and everyone just puts it on her and assumes that she's going to carry it. And yet like inside she's breaking, you know, and how many of us do that? And then we don't do things that, you know, we don't process, we don't give them to God. We don't uh, think that we should, for various reasons. And then we just break inside. And, you know, I've totally been there. I'm not going to go into a story right there right now, but that is definitely something I've experienced um, is breaking under that pressure. Uh, Sometimes when you are protecting yourself, you are going so far as to reject who you really are. You know, we talked about this. Father Jacques Philippe says, if we accept ourselves as we really are, we also accept God's love for us. But if we reject ourselves, if we despise ourselves, we cut, we shut ourselves off from the love God has for us, and we deny that love. And that is where, that is where we're going. If we start to cut ourselves off, we're trying to protect ourselves from these feelings of failure, from these other things, but we're also protecting, keeping out God's love and God's mercy. If we can't forgive ourselves, if we can't um, see ourselves as we really are, as that lost sheep, as that broken sinner that needs repentance, that needs Jesus, because we have this idea, like Father Jacques Philippe (laughs) says in another book, uh, we would like to present ourselves to the Lord only when we are presentable, well-groomed, and content with ourselves. In effect, we would like to bypass the need for mercy. I'd love for you to sit with that. Take that to prayer this week. Think about what that means for you. Are are you, like me, often trying to present yourself to the Lord so perfectly that you're just not being honest with yourself? You're not being who God has created you to be, and you're not acknowledging that you need his mercy. And that is where, in our weakness, God's power is, is, that's how he gets to the world, you know, is God's power is made perfect in weakness from 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It's one of my very, very favorite verses. And I have been traveling with it for like five years now. And it's just amazing to watch what happens. The more and more I acknowledge my weakness in front of him, the more his power is able to come in and do things that I never really thought possible and heal me in ways that I never really believed possible. And I'm here to tell you that freedom is ours. Freedom is ours for the taking Uh, because it's there, because God doesn't require any earning. He doesn't require anything except for our authentic, actual selves, all of it, broken, all of it. So take that to the Lord this week. If there's one thing that you take from this this episode this week, it's that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Put it on your wall, pray with it every day. I still don't really understand it um, fully, but he has really peeled back the layers for me over these last five years. And it's just been incredibly transformative. So once you can identify what you're protecting yourself from, then we talked about this already a little bit. We need to learn how to process our emotions. Okay. So we talked a little bit about the circumstance being whatever the, you know, that fact is. And then the thought we, we usually skip over the thought. So that's the place where it usually needs a lot of work and coaching and mindset work and all of that. But often what we, what I've also found in myself is that I can really identify that feeling there's actually a really cool workshop in the Metanoia Catholic Academy. If you are in there, if you are not, 
Um, stay tuned because that is going to be part of my offer is to get into that Metanoia Catholic Academy. But they have this amazing workshop on the redemption of our emotions. And I, I probably will do a separate episode on this because I think it is just so incredibly powerful. Because what I noticed was this entire month, I took the journal and I was really processing my emotions. I'm much more aware of like, okay, I'm feeling anxious. Where am I feeling anxious? And they walk you through this whole process of how you can take that emotion and see kind of that it's not as scary as it seems. How many times do we avoid maybe feeling sad? But the reality is once we can just allow the sadness, it usually doesn't take long. You don't stay in it for hours. It's just like you allow it. And then it's so much less scary because you've allowed it and you've processed it and then you can move forward. And I think something that even I was being coached on this week. So again, this is not stuff I've got nailed down, but I have found this process. That's why this process is also not a one and done. It's not like, okay, I'm going to complete steps one through six and I'm going to be ready to go beatitude into heaven. Here we go. Okay. That's like totally not at all what we're doing. This is a process where I think I have seen myself kind of circle back. It's layer after layer and we have to be willing to do the work. We have to be willing to show up. And the more we can let the Lord in, the more he's going to be able to do. And so what if it is, you know, my, my mindset coach was asking me like, what if it's actually completely okay to feel this emotion? And what if you're totally justified in feeling that emotion, right? Cause how many times these circumstances happen and we're like, but, but this was just really awful. Well, it's like, well, yeah, what if it was? What if it was actually inherently awful? Like maybe it's inherently evil. Maybe it's not necessarily evil, but it's like, yeah, you should have had X. So you're justified in feeling that. But if we don't ever allow ourselves to feel that, then we can't actually move forward because we're going to stuff it down in this little box. And then we're going to try to like make it all pretty, but then it's just going to rot. Or I don't know. I like the wound analogy for all of it because then it's like, okay, we're going to put all these band-aids on it, make it look pretty, maybe even like airbrush something over it. You know, if it's still got an infection in there, then it's just going to get worse and worse over time. So maybe what you're feeling is disappointment, sadness, anger. A lot of times anger sits on top of some other emotions. I'm going to list in the show notes, uh, quite a few uh, co Catholic coaching podcasts. It's the same people who do the Purgative Way and the Metanoia Catholic Academy. Uh, the Purgative Way is a coaching program that I've gotten trained in. And the Academy is what they have available uh, to join uh, so that you can participate each month in all the workshops and the community there. And they have a ton of fantastic podcasts on emotional topics, on how to ma manage your emotions. And so yeah, it's it's really great when we can get curious about what we're feeling because curiosity, what is it? Curiosity and judgment cannot coexist. I want to say that's a quote from uh, Henry Nouwen's prodigal son. I'm going to have to look that up now. But when we can start to get curious about what we feel and be like, well, that, that actually makes sense and be able to accept it. Um, maybe we feel unworthy. Maybe we're feeling some comparison or we have a lot of fear and anxiety. A lot of times... Um, Fear is something that's underneath that anger. Maybe sadness is underneath the anger. We lift up the little anger blanket. We're like, what actually is underneath there? How can the Lord really get to us? Because if it's a surface emotion, oh yeah, there's one they have about indulgent emotions. They've got a couple episodes on fear. Just really fantastic. Depending on where you're at uh, or what you're dealing with, there's just so many different ways that you can approach it. And again, processing your emotions is really hard to do on your own because it can be really easy to just 
brush over it. And so this is a great place where having a coach is just so helpful, whether it's a group coaching experience, whether you're in the Metanoia Catholic Academy and you volunteer to get coached on their weekly calls, uh, or you have a one-on-one coach that's really helping you progress at a faster speed. Um, It's just one of those areas that's super, super helpful. So the next thing, after we learn how to process our emotions, we need to learn the skill of objectivity. So a little bit about what objectivity is, I kind of identify it with detachment. It's really being able to take that circumstance and take that feeling, you know, and that thought and really create distance between these things where say a circumstance, say something happens. And I could say, you know, from experience in the past, uh, my husband comes home from work and I know he wouldn't mind me sharing this. And he makes some kind of comment, not even snide, not like his tone is bad at all. He's just like, uh, or maybe he's frustrated, but that's his own model and it's not mine. So whatever. He'll be like, man, the house is a mess. And all of a sudden, instead of just hearing it and receiving it, I all of a sudden make that mean in my mind, I start going, I, yes, like I wasted time today. I'm, I, I wasn't as productive as I wanted to be. I had this, this, this on my list. And then he wouldn't say anything when he got home. And now dinner's not ready. And I, I, it's funny, I'm going into this mode that I will often speak out loud where I like talk really fast and don't take breaths between sentences. And that's how I talk in my mind too, I think. Um, <laughs> anyway, so he'll come home and all of a sudden I'll make the dirty house mean, and that comment mean that I am a terrible mother. I'm a terrible stay-at-home mom. I'm a terrible stay-at-home wife. I can't get my act together. Um, and I jump to a conclusion about me. So what the skill of objectivity is, is that you're able to take that circumstance, you know, kind of bring that to the journal, bring it to your coach, process what that looks like in your life, and then understand that there is a distance. It doesn't mean that about you just because this happened. Obviously, like there could be some truth in it, maybe, but you wouldn't even be able to hear it because all you're hearing is all the lies. So, you know, uh, something that we need to create some distance from as well is this shame um, that we feel. For instance, when I was getting coached earlier today on this whole idea of oh shoot, I went from creating this content to help other women to creating this content to make myself look awesome. That was was kind of like where the thought trajectory went. And I was like, kind of embarrassed to admit that out loud and um, definitely embarrassed to admit it out loud. I'm like, oh, that sounds horrible when I say it out loud. But then I didn't, like there was a, tw- a twinge of shame where I was like ashamed for thinking that, right? But it did not debilitate me like it would have in the past where I would have like gotten flushed and embarrassed and shut down because I'm like, oh my gosh, I am such a horrible person. Instead, I could just kind of laugh and be like, well, that kind of makes sense. So let's just refocus. Come on, God, like help me refocus on the people that I want to serve and not myself. Uh, But what was funny that I didn't even recognize it. And I needed, you know, a coach to tell me from the outside, like, yeah, this is what's going on. So maybe there's something, there's a lie that we've been connected to. This is a great place where we can bring it. There's, the journal has different exercises. And one of them we call exercise six, it's six in the journal, is a time to repent, to renounce, to forgive. And so this is the place where pretty much 99% of the time, 99.9% of the time, I'm forgiving myself for believing a lie about myself for um, maybe an action that I've done or whatever it looks like. A lot of times it's ungodly self-reliance because that is a well-worn pathway in my habits that I'm working on, you know, letting the Lord's grace fix in his own time. No urgency, although it feels like it's an urgency some days. But um, 
This is where when we are able to forgive ourselves, even or others, we can repent of these things. What I thought was really cool. I don't think I brought the book in here. So the more I've learned about different spirits, um, there's this beautiful book called Deliverance Prayers for the Laity by Father Chad Ripperger. And it's prayers that we are specifically able to pray. We can, um, you know, bind different spirits, uh, prayers of protection, either for ourselves, for our spouses. We have spiritual authority in certain ways in our homes. And he explains that in the book. And then you have this book to be able to use. And in the back of the book is this appendices where he lists all the different spirits. He's an exorcist. And he lists all these different spirits that he's seen in exorcisms. And it was really enlightening for me because between that, as well as this um, renouncement sheet that I had gotten from the Unbound Ministries, there was so many, perfectionism is actually in there as something to repent of. Like, blew my mind. I was like, wait a second. This thing that I thought was so helpful to me, or that I was like, wearing as a badge of honor is actually not. And it's something that I need to repent of and renounce, you know, like there's actually spirits of perfectionism that are trying to like wreak havoc in my life. There's actually a, a heresy that was very popular in St. Therese's time. I look forward to going more into it in my course. Um, Pelagianism is the name of it. And I, I'm not going to be able to define it exactly, but to some degree, it's like we need to earn all of our love in order to be, loved by God. Like we have to do certain things in order to be loved by God. And um, I'm going to dive more into it in, in my course, because I think it's super important to know for me, intellectually speaking, when I hear these things, I'm like, okay, so that's the truth. So I need to work on assenting to that truth, even if I have to work through some lies along the way. And that's really all that this is, is really going through this process of understanding what is happening, what the truth actually is, being able to renounce the lies, because if we don't understand what vices we're getting into, then we're not going to be able to renounce them. So that moves me into number five, which is breaking habits of vice and building habits of virtue. So we have to be able to acknowledge where we're living in vice. And that is why I have absolutely loved the journal, despite wanting to fight it at first. I did not want to do it at first because I'm a big journaler, but I love open pages. Like I mean, just all the open pages and I write, write, write. And I still have an extra journal. I'll usually keep my journal nearby in case I have more to write that doesn't fit in the journal. It's in the Metanoia Daily 7 journal itself. But what I love about it is it walks you through this process of dumping out your thoughts and you can like see the lies real clear because thoughts are slippery and it's easy to not think that they're there. To be able to see the thoughts on the page, pick them out, and then almost like put them on the stand, you know, in the courtroom where we can prosecute them and be like, okay, is this true? A hundred percent of the time, you know, that is part of the skill of objectivity too, is being able to prosecute that thought and be like, okay, where's the evidence, again, you know, opposite to this? Could the opposite be true? And so we need to acknowledge the vices that we're participating in, in order to build the virtue, you know, what is it? A habit of vice is a sin, I think. Oh, I could be theologically off here, but, and then habits, of doing good are virtue. So, you know, for instance, I, we have to acknowledge where our thoughts are taking us. We have to look at what they call the model. Okay. So we have a thought. This is a thought that I have had when I'm in the middle of maybe a 48 hour shift weekend or something. And Chris is gone and I'm yelling at my kids. And I have this thought, I should not be yelling at my kids. I don't know about you, but I could list so many should statements on myself as all my different things that I say about these expectations that I have for myself. So I think I should not be yelling at my kids. The feeling that, that elicits in me is shame. So then I, the action I take in that is either to hide, I beat myself up, 
in my mind. I believe that I am inherently bad, actually. I believe that I'm not worthy of mercy. I don't even turn to God because I feel so ashamed, like almost like the prodigal son of just kind of wanting to run away. Um, believe I believe that I'm all alone. I will even actually the actions that I'll typically do is also yell more, get more angry at my kids, mostly because I'm angry at myself and I'm ashamed. So then I yell at them more. And so I don't know how many of y'all this happens to. If it does, I'd love to hear, you know, not necessarily in the comments, but you can DM me if I am the only one that this happens to. But I remember when I first realized that this is what was happening, like it was an epiphany. And I was like, this is it. And then I wasn't forgiving myself. That's a big piece of being able to move forward is getting to confession, especially if you have a great priest who can walk you through some of these unbound prayers. I do happen to have, you know, one of the priests that I go to confession to was able to walk me through some of these prayers to renounce these spirits, like from his, excuse me, from his perspective as a priest. Like, obviously I could do some of those prayers myself. And, um, because that is not the life that God wants for us. He does not want us living in shame. He does not want us, like we are going to make mistakes. That is going to happen. But instead of despairing and staying focused on those mistakes, that's where we really need to acknowledge that God's mercy is for everyone. And I am not going to stand in the place of God and say that I'm not worthy of that mercy. That's not what I want. So um yeah. So exercise six in the journal is also just a really, really powerful place to recognize vices. Um, Metanoia Catholic does provide also a vice and virtue sheet, which has also been helpful for me as I've learned different vices and virtues and what they look like. So even being able to put a name to it that's more specific is just really helpful. Um, so breaking habits of vices and building habits of virtue, that's also just a process. It's going to be kind of happening along with everything else. And then the sixth step that I just really think is important just because it has helped me so much in embracing who I am like fully is knowing and embracing who God has created you to be. The biggest key for this, I, I had done some temperament studies. I'm a sanguine choleric most days, unless I'm, I don't know, some days I'm choleric sanguine, but mostly I'm sanguine choleric and pretty like 50, 55, like 45 ish. So I I've known that for a while. And it was helpful, but I would say that Clifton Strengths 34 was probably the one that really, and having a coach kind of have some, a few sessions with the coach was able to walk me through that. And I was able to see that a lot of these things that I kind of saw as weaknesses, or I had often been told I was too much or too loud or too passionate or whatever that is. And I had kind of ingrained those things in me and there's still things I'm working through. Um, I was able to see that actually like God has created me and I'm good. And I'm like exactly who I'm supposed to be. And that is just something I think is so, so, so important to acknowledge and to live in, to stand in the, the love that God has for us as fully as we can. Um, I love to think of it as just like a mansion where I've got this mansion and I might see it as a cottage and then I might see it as a house and then I might see it as a big house. And like, I think eventually I really want to understand like you know, as fully as he wants me to understand on this earth who I was created to be. And so I love when he opens these new rooms and I can sort of see this new vision of, you know, for instance, where maybe I've been living in the servants quarters, you know, in, I don't know, I don't watch Downton Abbey or any of that, but like, um, not that I wouldn't have, I just didn't watch a lot of TV when it came out and I just haven't gone back to watch it. But like, you know, this really simple, basic area where, you know, you're living in that, but then really the Lord's inviting you in to be the 
princess, to be the daughter who inherited everything from the king, you know? And so how can we step more into that in our lives? And I think knowing who he created us to be is just so essential in that, as well as I've done the St. Catherine of Siena uh, called and gifted survey. I've actually led some other women through that as well in small groups. And it's just really beautiful to see how we're all created so differently, but that when we are in that place, when we are serving from the place that we were created to serve out of, there is freedom, there is energy, there is motivation. There is just all these really positive passions where like we can really be who God has created us to be so fully. And as St. Catherine of Siena says so beautifully, like be who God created you to be and you will, and we will set the world ablaze. And that's really a place I found so much freedom that I think has just has to be part of this perfectionism journey, because I think we can get really stuck on all the ways that perfectionism isn't serving us, but maybe we were created with this um, desire to strive for excellence and maybe that's just part of who we are and we really want to do really great work, but we're going to have to accept that somewhere along the lines uh, we might put out what is it called? What I've heard called B minus work, you know, like let's just get the B minus out there. Don't worry about the A plus. Um, if it's going to hold you back, just get the B minus out there. And, and I was joking with my coach this morning. Um, she was like, okay, this course that you're writing, she's like, what if you wrote this like imperfectly done course on perfectionism? And I was like, well, wouldn't that be funny and ironic and amazing because for me, I think what's given me the most fuel is being able to watch these people that I consider mentors that I really look up to and then hear their stories of struggle. And it's like, that's, that's who I want to be for you. That's who I want to be for all the women. And I want to bring alongside with me because I want to be a saint and I want all of you guys to be saints. And I want to help you as much as you can to live in what God has created for you in this life, in this world because I'm also really, really passionate about not passing on these things to my kids. And I've seen how my perfectionism has created just this environment of such high expectations for my kids that it has squashed them in some ways, you know, especially my older two who are like eight and 10. Um, I'm really having to undo some of the wiring that I created from this really high expectations that I had for them as young children. And, and I'm not saying that out of a place of like, you know, I'm still beating myself up about it. Obviously I could, and I probably do some days, but the point is, this is why I'm so passionate about it because I think all of us really at our heart desire to be saints and we let the discouragement creep in and the evil one tries to creep in and make us believe that this perfectionism, this discouragement makes it to where we can never be saints. And I just don't believe that that's true. And I also believe that we have to fight our battles because our children do not need to be fighting our battles for us. They're going to have plenty of battles to fight. And if we will fight ours, if we will stand up and do what it is that we need to do to find this freedom so that we can not hold others to expectations that are impossible for them to reach, that God wants that for us. And he wants that for our spouses. He wants that for our marriages and he wants that for our families. And so that's where I'm going to close it here. There is so much more I could say, but that is why I am going to be doing a webinar next week. Um, I think it's going to be Thursday about this time. So if you want to be sure and know about it, then make sure you are on my email list, uh, especially if you are hopping off for Lent for any reason. If you're going to be getting off of social media, go ahead and drop your email. Um, send me it. You know, you can sign up through this link. I'm going to be putting this on social so that you can make sure and you can send me a DM with your email as well to make sure that you get any kind of email is going to come out with the information for this group coaching that is going to be going on for all of us women who are struggling to overcome our perfectionism 
in our lives and especially for our, for our freedom, for our marriages and for our kids. And so, yeah, again, sign up for the email list, check out any of the information below. I'm going to have a webinar next week, and then I'll be releasing the course not too long after that as a part of my group coaching experience. So stay tuned for more details. Thank you for joining me today and God bless. <laughs>